Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, the biggest eating challenges and the best food. I want to go and like try a restaurant challenge or competitive eating. So I bought a cheap like $90 camera, took it to my first ever restaurant challenge, did it no problem, want a dessert afterward. And the rest is history. I just was hooked. You, you generally find that people who do competitive eating are, are relatively fit. And that's because there's this theory that's about the, the bigger you get, the more like the more fat that's around your organs, the more that's pushing down on your abdomen and stopping your stomach from being able to expand as much as you want. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So our first guest has traveled the country taking on some of the most well-known and biggest eating challenges out there. And she has this fascinating insight, not only into where you can get a lot of food, but where you can go to get some really good food, and also what happens to your body after you eat 10 double cheeseburgers or a giant plate of seafood. This is professional eater Katina Eats Kilos. How did you get started in this? Was this a goal that you set out for or was this something that just happened? Uh, it was kind of a goal that I set out for in a way. Um, I got my start after doing a bodybuilding show in 2019. I did a women's physique competition at a little bodybuilding show called the Empire Classic. And as I was dieting for the show, I was very, very hungry all the time, obviously. And so I was watching people on YouTube do like big cheat days and competitive eating. And then I was, of course, a big fan of man versus food growing up. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind as well. And the whole time kind of leading into the show, I was like, I could do that. I could do competitive or professional eating. I could do a restaurant challenge, no problem. So after the show, I placed really well. I got fifth, which wasn't bad because I competed as a natural and this was an untested show. I'll leave that where you will on how you want to infer that. Uh, but I was really tiny on stage. I was 104 pounds. And I was like, I'm going to put on muscle. And I'm also very competitive. I want to go and like try a restaurant challenge or competitive eating. So I bought a cheap like $90 camera, took it to my first ever restaurant challenge, did it no problem, wanted dessert afterward. And the rest is history. I just was hooked, kept taking a camera along and beating bigger and bigger local challenges here in Spokane. Now, did you know always that like, okay, I can eat a lot. Or was this something that like you were, oh man. Yes. So I've always known I could eat a lot. As a kid, I had a really huge appetite, like taco night. I was always keeping up with my my dad, my stepbrother and everything. So, I mean, I always kind of knew that. And then I think like the defining moment was as I was dieting for, I dieted for a lot of years, kind of just for fun, just to kind of look good, feel good. But while I was deployed, um, we kind of had like a dining system, like a cafeteria. So it was kind of all you can eat in a way. 
And I would load up so much vegetable and stuff onto my plate just to stay full that like it would flex my paper plate in the cafeteria. And so like the workers started calling me spinach and were like in shock. So I would just have this like thing just full of food. And so uh, I actually had a buddy that was like, you know, it'd be kind of cool if you started a YouTube channel about being fit, but being able to eat a stupid amount of food. And at the time I was like, no, that's a ridiculous idea. And then, you know, flash forward two years and I ended up doing it. Why are you good at it? Is it just, is there something physiologically like, is your stomach bigger? Are you just like, I'm just going to keep eating? Like why, why are you good at it? There's some, you know, genetics involved there that some people are just genetically able to hold more food in their stomach. And then some of it also is dieting the physiological and psychological effects of dieting for a long time can be a severe food focus and then trouble with hormone regulation. So uh, to where, to the point where you could eat until you're physically miserable, but like psychologically, you're still going to want to eat food. And that kind of like that hunger, that drive can make it to where like even doing my first restaurant challenges where I wasn't trained, practiced at all, but it was like, man, no big deal. I mean, I'm really, really full, but I'll keep eating. Um, But as that kind of goes away and as you put on weight and you get back to a healthy weight range and your hormones come back to normal and everything like that, then it comes down to doing a lot of practice. And so I think just being that, that discipline from my bodybuilding side and competing on that side kind of carried over to practicing and staying physically ready for the restaurant challenges. You're obviously a very fit person. Like how do you, how do you balance those two things out between looking fit, but eating like 10,000 calories a day? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It takes a lot of math. And so I've actually always been a pretty big nutrition and fitness nerd. So it kind of does help. And then my degree is in kinesiology. So um, basically, so on camera, I'm eating these crazy meals, right? But I don't eat like that every day. So basically how I look at it and how I looked at my bodybuilding diet as well was I, instead of looking at my calories on a daily basis, I looked at them on a weekly average. So I figured out that if I wanted to slowly gain weight, which was my goal with the professional eating, that I needed to eat roughly 21,000 calories per week. So if I film, say, two videos in a week, maybe one restaurant challenge is 6,000 calories. So there's that one day. And then maybe later on in the week, I do like a smaller for funsies challenge that's only like 4,000 calories. I know that I still have 11,000 calories to play with throughout the rest of the week. So sometimes, you know, the day after doing a big restaurant challenge, you're pretty much full and I might completely fast the day after a challenge because I'm still satisfied and full, or maybe I'll only have like a small salad or something like that. So basically it just comes down to your nutrition and staying disciplined. Um, When I did, I came back from my recent Florida tour and that was two months on the road where I was doing restaurant challenges back to back. I had zero time to exercise and I didn't have time to keep my calories under that 21,000 per week. So I got pretty big. So the only reason we're talking now and I look relatively fit is I've had about two months of dieting back down again and getting myself back into kind of fighting shape. So it's just a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of discipline. Your natural weight would be about what and how, how is that different from other people who do what you do? Like, did they weigh generally the same or are they much bigger, like three, 400 pound people? No, actually you'll find that in the professional and competitive eating circuit that most of the the top competitors are going to be at a lower weight range or very, very fit. So if you look at those who are doing the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, 
there's really nobody that's that overweight that's up on stage performing well. If you look at Joey Chestnut, he's a pretty built guy. He's the guy who's done like 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. You look at Matt Stoney, who has won in the past. If you remember uh, Kobayashi from years ago, if you ever watched that on ESPN, the little Japanese guy, he would pull up his shirt and he had yeah, like abs. Yeah. You, you generally find that people who do competitive eating are, are relatively fit. And that's because there's this theory that's about the, the bigger you get, the more like the more fat that's around your organs, the more that's pushing down on your abdomen and stopping your stomach from being able to expand as much as you want. And surprisingly, the act of eating is pretty physical and you need to be in really good shape. So the, the fuller you get, the, the more pressure that also puts on your lungs. So you can get to the point of fullness where it's actually your, you can only really take deep shot or ex, excuse me, very shallow breaths. So it's kind of like a, and your heart is going like at 120 beats per minute. If you don't have that cardiovascular health, that would be super, super dangerous. I can, I can imagine. Um, I mean, there's really not a lot of study that goes into that, but for the most part, everyone who is a, would consider themselves a professional or competitive in any way is going to be in, in really decent shape. Are you a competitive eater or a professional eater? Like what's the so, specific nomenclature I should be using here? I consider myself a professional eater simply because I haven't actually ever done a food eating competition. So I consider a competition where I'm side by side going head to head with somebody doing something like Nathan's hot dog eating contest or a taco eating contest or something. I've never actually done one. Uh, every time I've signed up for one, the event has been like canceled or something has happened. And it's really just not my forte anyway. I'm more of like an endurance runner, if you would put it that way. I can eat a lot over a long period of time and I'd rather do that as opposed to soaking a hot dog bun in water and stuffing it in my face. That just doesn't really appeal to me. I kind of like to enjoy the food at the same time. I'm a foodie at heart, but I also am competitive. So professional eater is kind of a term that I use mostly I'll attribute it to my boyfriend's been using it for a while. My, uh, some of your viewers might've heard of him, Randy Santel. He's a pretty big household name. He actually just did his thousandth um, restaurant challenge win just a few days ago. He kind of helped coin that term. And basically it just means that you earn your living from eating food and touring and doing this as a, as a job. And um, there's no side hustle to it. That's all. It just became the, the primary focus. So my job basically I consider is to entertain people through the act of eating food. You yourself, like what is it like 250,000 subscribers on YouTube? Am, am, am yeah. I correct in that? Yeah, what, just over that. Are you surprised that there's that many people who are interested in it? Uh, not that are interested in the topic itself, because I think everyone can relate to eating. I mean, that's a, that's a discipline that we're all pretty focused on and we require. So I think everyone can relate to it pretty well. But I was definitely surprised that that people specifically wanted to follow me. My channel grew way faster than expected. I was really, really lucky when it came to my YouTube growth and my reach in that way. So um, I was able to go from YouTube kind of being a side hustle to being my profession much quicker than most people would. A lot of people, it takes years and years. And for me, I was able to do that within five or six months. So I was definitely blown away by the level of support that I got on YouTube and the helpfulness just of the competitive and professional eating community, because we are a pretty small niche as far as content creators go. I mean, we all have probably heard each other's names. And um, but as far as viewers go, there's a lot of different types of eating that people like to watch. I know that sounds really weird. So you have people that like to watch the man versus food style restaurant challenges. 
You have people that like to watch people build challenges at home. You have those that like to just watch people sit quietly and talk to a camera about food. That's called a, a mukbang, which is like an eating show. Um, I, I think I pronounce it. I never know. Some people are like, it's a mukbang, mukbang. I don't know. But um, it's a, like a phenomenon where you just sit and talk quietly. There's people that are into what's called ASMR, where you don't talk at all. You just like, you, they like to hear the chewing noises, um, which is a little far-fetched and different for me. Not my cup of tea, but um, I mean, there's a wide gamut of what people want to see. So um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot of viewership in it and a very broad kind of like diversity of the type of people who want to watch as well. When you talk about people who are watching it, are they generally watching it because they just want to, you know, see the places that you go, see the different challenges, maybe just, you know, they relate to you or does it sometimes verge on like, okay, maybe we're getting into like fetish kind of things, right? Do you, it, I would assume that if maybe like ASMR maybe would kind of fall into that category you're talking about, not necessarily like a fetish. I mean, to me, that kind of has like connotations on the back end. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think that for the most part, you you kind of have this range of people that are into it for watching the food. Maybe they're on some sort of like specific diet themselves and they can't eat it. So I know that there's like a lot of viewers that are, you know, maybe diabetic and they can't have a donut and they love to just watch you eat a donut or maybe they're um, gluten intolerant or something. And they just want to see you eat that kind of food. And then you have the other end of people that do, they want to see the travel, the, the unique restaurants, et cetera. And then those that just want to see the, the competition of it all. Um, and then there's those that have a combination of all of them. So like me as a viewer, before I got started, I liked the competitive nature of man versus food and being like, wow, that guy just ate eight pounds of cheeseburger. That's crazy. Like, that's awesome to see that that's physically possible. And then there was the other side of me that was also watching because I can't eat the food. So I'm just going to kind of live vicariously through so-and-so eating the food. So I think it might just be like a combination uh, but it's kind of hard to speak for whatever other people are into. You know, I, I'm I'm not entirely sure. How does your body adjust to it, right? Are you all, are you basically either completely full or starving? Or does your body kind of adjust pretty quickly throughout the week? It depends on the, the sort of schedule I'm on. So like when I was touring in Florida, there was zero time to get hungry. I was so full that it was actually kind of holding me back because it was like, I'd have a challenge and maybe I'd only have 24 hours to recover before the next challenge. And being kind of a smaller sized human, I'm not able to kind of burn those calories, uh, burn through that fuel as quickly as others maybe could. So whereas someone like my boyfriend who's six foot five and a big guy, he can ride his bike for a couple hours and at least digest a fair amount of food. Me, it would take, you know, I'm, you know, a third of his body weight. It would take me three times as long at least to burn those calories. So uh, generally if you're on tour, it's mostly feeling uncomfortable all the time and very, very full. But when I'm at home and I have like a more relaxed schedule, I maybe only film two videos a week at the most. And so uh, I'm able to make that a pretty good balance and I'll kind of strategically do maybe one super high calorie day. Like today I'm actually filming, uh, throughout the day. So I'll probably be, uh, between 10 and 15,000 calories today. So I know that later on in the week when I am going to film again, it'll probably have to be a really small challenge. And then I'm also probably going to end up fasting tomorrow. I don't imagine I'll be hungry tomorrow. And maybe the day after that, maybe I'll only have like five or 600 calories. And then by the time the next day rolls around, I'll definitely be good and hungry and ready to film again. So it's all just balance. What's the next day like after a big challenge? 
It depends on what the kind of food is. There's sometimes where the day following a challenge, I'll feel fantastic because I'll all that energy will be there. I'll have a lot of carbohydrates and I'll perform great in the gym. Uh, but that's generally if you have something that's more middle of the road, like maybe a pasta challenge or like an easier pizza challenge. But if you have something that's like relatively heavy or very, very high in fat or very, very high in sugar, it can definitely make you feel very sluggish and just kind of, excuse me, sleepy and kind of tired throughout the day. So it really just depends on what, on what the challenge is made of. Um, a good example was I did a, a really big barbecue food challenge and as delicious and amazing as that was two racks of ribs has like the fat content that I should be eating in like a month. Uh, so I was definitely very sluggish the next day. And I feel like that one was probably one of my longer recoveries. It probably took me about 30 hours to recover from that challenge. Just feeling just kind of sleepy and all you really want to, the, the energy that normally I would be able to go and lift something at the gym and have a good workout. I was like, uh, maybe I'll go for a walk slowly <laughs> and just kind of chill. So it, it all depends really. Are you ready for some listener slash harder questions? Absolutely. Yeah. Open book. Easiest challenge that you've ever done? Probably my very, very first one. My very first restaurant challenge was the Fat Burger Triple XL King Burger Challenge. And basically, you have a 20 minute time limit to finish a, I believe it's three half pound patties with like all the toppings of just like a cheeseburger. And so you have to eat it. And it's maybe comes out to like a pound and a half, like a two pound challenge. You just have to finish that in 20 minutes. So that was the first challenge I ever did. And Fat Burger is a, a smaller chain. I think they have they have some here in the Washington state. There's a couple in like Vegas, maybe Arizona, California. Um, it's not a huge chain, but they're they're around. So that one was probably one of the easier ones. <laughs> Hardest one. That that changes every time. I always have like a different opinion of what what was hard, but probably one of the ones that I went the hardest on was. Uh, my boyfriend and I did a team cheesesteak challenge and it was four feet of Philly cheesesteak that we had to finish. And it was, I can't remember if it was, it was somewhere between 12 and 14 pounds total of food, but the bread was just so thick. And it was like that really crusty kind of bread, you know, almost like a super bread bowl. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that came down to the wire. We ended up winning, but to win, uh, I was dipping the bread and you also had to finish a shake at the same time we each had to finish a shake. And so I was dipping the bread in shake and then it got so tight at the very end that we were both dipping our bread, which is something that I just brought up. I hate doing dipping the bread in water. And it was my first time ever doing that in front of people. And I was just cramming as much as I could into our face just because the combination of the bread being filling and the, just the jaw fatigue from having to chew for an hour and on steak and cheese that got cold and all that stuff. It was the hardest thing ever, but we came away with the win uh, in that one hour time limit. So probably that one. What's why does the water help? What's the, I don't know. It just, basically just makes it squishier and you don't have to really chew it. So you know how, like, say you get something kind of like, I don't know, something that I can't really think of. It's like a brownie. If you eat a brownie, yeah. the easiest to swallow is maybe chase it with some milk or coffee. Uh, it's kind of like that idea. It just kind of helps you swallow the food and get it down quicker. And so just chewing on it for so long, because that outer crust when your jaw is tired is just brutal. Absolutely brutal. Hardest food to eat, easiest food to eat. Like, oh, this is a pancake challenge. This is easy. Like, um, oh no, this is a potato challenge. I'm, I'm in trouble. 
I think one of the easier foods to eat quickly is probably something like an omelet challenge or eggs because you kind of can just shovel it in your face pretty easily. So like eggs or like hash browns or something, something really soft where you can literally just kind of shovel it in and there's really no technique involved. And then on the flip side, ones that can be challenging are like sandwich challenge or things that have a lot of chewing involved. Um, steak can be difficult if it's overcooked or any sort of meat challenge because you're spending so much time cutting it, so much time chewing it. It obviously doesn't taste as good if it's overcooked. So, I mean, it can be anywhere from a super chewy crust pizza to an overcooked steak. Those, those tend to be the toughest. Do you ever get the meat sweats? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. While you're eating food, it can get to a point where you're just so hot and so overwhelmed with like heat that you just feel absolutely miserable. And I remember probably one of the worst ones for that like miserable hot feeling was I did a, uh, I think it was five or six pound chili cheese hot dog challenge. And it was in San Jose, California. It's at a place called Parker's uh, Chili Dogs. And it was on man versus food. And it was in the middle of summer. And so this little shop had like one little AC unit and it was probably like 90 degrees in the shop. And then you're eating this boiling hot five pound platter of chili and cheese and hot dog and meat. And I remember just being drenched in sweat, just like trying to eat this. And when you're hot, you know how even in the summer, like all you kind of want is maybe like a couple pieces of fruit and you're good, like or a small salad and you're good. Uh, it's, it's like that. So you're combating just that. I do not want food. My body temperature is way up here. Uh, yeah, it's not fun. Really not fun. Have any of these challenges ever kind of ruined like a food for you? Like, I can never eat that again. Yeah. Unfortunately over in the, the Seattle area and not to throw anyone under the bus, I got food poisoning from a place called Sam's Tavern while doing a, uh, a burger challenge and they had a blue cheese burger there. And I could kind of taste that the blue cheese was a little off as I was doing it. But I mean, I'm in the middle of the challenge. I can't really just be like, well, I'm not going to finish it. So I just yeah, ate it anyway yeah. and was like kind of hoping that maybe I just wasn't hungry. And that's why it tasted weird. And yeah, I was very, very sick after that. Very sick. And to this day, now I can almost smell blue cheese again. And I used to love blue cheese. That's why I ordered it as one of the burgers. But um, yeah, I can smell it again. And now I'm kind of like, okay, that sounds okay. Uh, for But for a while, it was to the point where even just saying the word blue cheese was like repulsive to me. Oh, couldn't even put that, put, can't even be next to each other in a sentence. And I believe that's one of the only times I've ever had food poisoning from, from a restaurant challenge. So, uh, I mean, that's, it's not exactly common and it was very kind of just off the wall. So not to throw them under the bus. I'm sure normally they, they do a great job and I'd never heard of it happening to anyone else before. It was really just an off day. What was the tastiest one? Like, is the food usually good or are they like, okay, here comes the, eater no most of the time it's, the- no most of the time it's very delicious but the the tastiest one i did was uh, very recent in florida it was a place called the ugly grouper on anna maria island and they did this giant seafood spread that was incredible and i love seafood but they made this big two pound uh shrimp taco with fresh uh, blackened shrimp in it and everything and it had this beautiful like crispy cheese skirt baked into the taco shell it was beautiful. They did a fried green tomato topped with like a crab romulod type thing that was divine. They did a Polynesian boat filled with blackened grouper that was next level cheese logs. And then they had a lovely cocktail that they served with it. I think normal shrimp cocktail with it. And then dessert was a turtle cheesecake. 
And it was just every, there was so much variety. I, there was nothing to get sick of. It was just like all these different little things to taste and try. And all of them were done so amazingly. It was one of the most fun challenges I've ever done just for that reason. You, you've you reached a level, like, do you have to, do you tell these restaurants you're coming? You show up? So it, it kind of depends. The recent thing with me meeting my boyfriend is he hosts them. He hosts like events. And so he's got such a big following that, that people will come out to watch him like the man versus food TV show. So he'll get, you know, 50, 60 people there. So before that point, I would just kind of show up to a restaurant, you know, double check. They had the challenge still. And I would just show up, film myself doing the challenge and have the video and skedaddle. Um, but with him, it's it's like a tour. And a lot of the times restaurants will reach out to him actually and say, hey, we want to bring you in. We want to yeah. either kick off a challenge or we would just love to have you eat this crazy amount of food for us and, you know, just get our name out there and stuff like that. So it it's kind of turned into more of I go along that event line with him now. And I, I, could, I don't think I could ever look back from that because it's so energizing to have those people live in the crowd. You're not just doing it for that Oh, well, the people on the other side of the screen will forgive me if I lose. When you have people that are just roaring for you to finish and just so pulling for you, it is so motivating. Like that Philly cheesesteak challenge, I don't think I would have had that. There's a point where your mental fortitude only goes so far. But when you have the, a crowd of people, there was probably 80 to 100 people at that challenge just screaming for you to finish. You're just like, okay, I'm going for it. It's like a big Super Bowl event or something. So. Do you ever get in, like, can you get injured? You injure your stomach? I, I mean, I, I'm sure it's a, it's a possibility and I believe it's happened before. And obviously there's always the risk of, of choking or something, but no, for the most part, I, I at least play it safe. I'm not doing the competitive eating type stuff where I'm eating, like swallowing ridiculously large chunks of food very quickly. Challenge. You felt like you were over your head. Like, Oh, this is it. <laughs> Yeah. So in this video, actually, it's funny you say that just posted and it was unfortunate. Uh, it was the finale tour. It was my final tour when we final, excuse me, restaurant challenge while we were in Florida. And we had a Culver's franchisee that wanted to host a food challenge for Randy and I to do at their at their local Culver's restaurant. And so talking to them, we were originally going to do um, 10 of their butter burgers with a side of cheese curds and then a concrete mixer, which if you haven't heard of Culver's, it's basically like a really hard frozen custard. And then you have your fried cheese curds and then a butter burger is just like a fancy kind of version of a burger. Pretty good though. Um, but we got there and the, the owner kind of was like, well, we think that the single butter burgers are going to be too easy. What do you think about doing doubles? And uh, my boyfriend agreed to it. He goes, okay, we'll do it. I think we can do it. And so since he agreed to it, I was kind of like, well, I'll agree to it. And so I agreed to it. And the moment I saw him struggling through the challenge, I was like, I know this is going to be so hard for me because that adding that extra patty to 10 different burgers was an extra 30 ounces, which is an extra two pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that's Once you say that, like two pounds. And so, and then they come out and, you know, imagine your standard fast food tray when you bring that out to you, those were full of the burgers. Plus it was a family size thing of cheese curds, which I believe came out to just shy or just over a pound um, plus the concrete mixer. So in total, my guess was that was probably between seven and eight pounds of food total 
with all that bread and then, you know, meat gets cold over time as you're trying to eat it. And yeah, I had just done uh, a challenge that I had lost. That was just 10 burgers without the sides. And so that like the moment it came out, I was like, Ooh, it's going to be rough. This is going to be real rough, but I gave up my all. I just didn't quite make it for the finale challenge, but that was one where the moment it came out, I was like, yeah, no, nope. <laughs> this ain't happening. That's not happening. What's kind of your, what's like your Holy grail one. What's the one that you're looking at and like, I haven't done this yet, but some, Ooh, that's something that I would like to do. Ooh, you know, there's a lot over, um, in like the UK I would love to do. There's like some really cool looking, um, barbecue challenges over there. So there's a lot kind of overseas that really appeal to me it's kind of hard to pick and choose which one I would like to do the most because I kind of tie the location to why I want to be there more so than the challenge itself. Um, but I'm trying to think of if there's any sort of like Holy grail challenge I can think of. I I've kind of already did the one challenge that was always on my bucket list to go and try even before I started professional eating. And that was the 72 ounce big Texan steak challenge in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, I was able to go and do that challenge. And that was kind of my original Holy grail. That's like something that anybody should just go and order just for the sight of it and the experience of it. They, they make a show out of it. It's only $72. If you lose, take it home and enjoy it. It's a really good steak, but it's, they put you up on this awesome stage and this challenge has been going on since I want to say the sixties, they put you up on this stage. There's like actual, like official timers going, like you would see at like a sports stadium. You can watch them cooking the steak and like everyone's cheering for you and there's live music and it's just an event. It's an event and it's so much fun. And I think that even if you know that you're not going to finish it, just go up there and have fun, sit up on the stage and just go eat some steak and enjoy yourself. It does sound kind of cool. 72 72. ounces of steak. That's a lot of steak for $72. That's not. That is actually kind of cheap. Yeah, because you get the steak. You get a potato on the side. You get three prawns and a side salad. Can you just order it and then just give like walk off the stage and split it with your family? I feel like that would actually be a budgetary. No, you you do sign like a contract. I think there's somewhere in the paperwork that says that you can't share it, but you can if you can't finish it, box it up and take it home. But there's no sharing allowed. Uh, at any point when you order that you do sign, like there's some small fine print. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure I read that you couldn't share. You had to take it home. That's pretty much all the questions that I have. And you think anything that we missed or what's kind of, what's coming up next for you? Uh, next for me is uh, moving to Milwaukee with my boyfriend. So Randy Santel and I were moving to Milwaukee and he's going to be starting his uh, registered dietitians uh, internship. So we'll be over there and I'm excited to try new food and, kind of start highlighting that on my channel and just have fun kind of almost being like a little bit of a food tourist in that area. Um, I'm also going to be going to Vegas in July for my 30th birthday. So I'm excited to go. I've never been to Vegas. um, So hit up some of the big buffets. I plan on visiting Hell's Kitchen, um, you know, maybe doing a couple restaurant challenges there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot upcoming. I want to thank Katina so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter and Instagram. And we have also included her information in the episode description. Okay, now let's go ahead and bring in John Schultz. 
I was going to start this a different way, but you brought something to my attention. One of the most consistent complaints we've gotten about this podcast is audio quality. And John has just realized that he's had a microphone headset (laughs) in his house for the last 152 episodes, and he just now decided that he was going to put it on. Can you explain yourself just really quickly, please? Because my rage... I just can't believe you. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's, there, there's you said it this the whole time. Well, no. So there's two things. One, I, I've only had it about a year and a half, so that's what, okay. Okay, that's, so only seventy five episodes. Uh, and I literally had to splice the wires back together because I ripped it apart one night. You actually put the wires back together? Yeah, I. I mean, well, I mean, when I splicing wires isn't hard, you know. I mean, you just gotta do them and then connect them to the wires that they were originally connected to. And how did you learn? How Did someone show you how to do that? I feel like that's a risky thing to suddenly just go ahead and you know what? I'm going to rewire my house. Let me go <laughs> ahead and give it a shot with these 200,000 volts. Well, I can tell you, I'm not touching it right now while I'm recording. I can tell you that uh, just in but case connected to your head though. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it was sitting here. I just, uh, I, I thought that my audio sounded pretty good the last 30, 40 episodes with what I was using. So never really got around to it. Well, I mean, I guess that's just a difference in our personalities. I'm someone that always strives to be better, and you're somebody that's uh, pretty much okay with just okay, I guess. That's, that's kind of, <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Do you generally eat because you're hungry or because you're bored? I'm going to say both. Ooh. But that's true, right? You get bored and then you get hungry, like you realize it. Like, oh, I'm a little hungry. I could eat. Are you a snacker or are you going to eat all at once? Uh, I'll eat it all at once for sure. I kind of snack throughout the day and then I'm going to have one big dinner. Well, that's how you stay so fit, man. And you know, no one can see this, but I give you credit because I don't think I've ever seen that, that sweatshirt you're wearing. So bravo to you. You know what? I'm just going to throw this out here is that now that we've been doing these video chants, there's you've been hitting me with an odd number of compliments about my appearance, right? Yeah. I mean, mostly about your hair though. I mean, not about, not about, <laughs> not about your body, mostly about your hair. Now you've gone into this. If look, if you find me to be a generally attractive man, it's okay oh, to say it, John. It's all right. We're, we're, we're two happily married men that are secure in our sexuality and, Whatever people want to do, that's fine. But if, do you feel like I'm a good-looking man? <laughs> I, I, uh, I <laughs> That's a yes. <laughs> what an awkward question to ask. You're too small for me, so I mean, I you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't answer that correctly. You're, you're not my cup of tea. I'll tell you that. How much? Okay, if I'm five eight and three quarters, how tall would I have to be to be like, to be like your jam? To be like your jam. Oh my god! I don't know why I were even having this conversation. If I, and it's fine if you are. So please don't think I'm 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 uh, I'm making fun. No, of we're, we're, folks. yeah, we're not doing anything like that. I'm just putting um, John under pressure. Like, how tall would I have to be for you to be like, ooh? I mean, that man I, is at least taller than me. So probably six foot, a good six foot, six foot one, something out there. Okay, that's all the stuff that I had. I'm still pretty upset about you just now finding headphones, but also impressed that you rewired them wow we're uh we're uh we're just going on okay, let's just go to the shout outs huh okay that's that's what we usually do all right well we're gonna start with 6920 buster here 
Henry Sanchez. I don't think that's real. Uh, Miguel, appreciate you. Jack, Omar Martinez. Uh, Oliver, whose handle is my fucking name, is Oliver. That's interesting. Uh, Blake. Can you cuss? In a, you can cuss in a Twitter handle? That seems interesting. Well, it's uh, he's Instagram, but yeah. I, I think, think that they would actually have a policy that would not allow that. <laughs> uh, I don't even. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't, I, I don't know. Okay. I guess I don't know the rules. Uh, let's see here. I think I left off on Blake. Uh, Raymond. Uh, that's two people. Blake and then Raymond. Armando Padilla. Uh, Tomazio. And then uh, Roy Allen. Not to be confused with Ray Allen, naturally. I will give you this compliment. Your hair is also looking nicer than it usually is today. Thanks. I got a haircut. And I don't know if you can see it. I'm a little redder than usual because I got some sun this weekend. Yeah. Hmm. Do you put on sunscreen when you go outside or are you just going to wing it and see if you burn? <laughs> I used to just wing it because uh, I didn't care about looking like a gigantic red manatee. But uh, now I put on sunscreen. When did you like, did you fight it for a little bit and like, oh, I'm not going to do it. People are telling me to put on sunscreen. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I just think, yeah, I mean, I just think I got more wise as I got older, I think, and realized I didn't want to get burned the fuck out of uh, true story. Ready for ready for story time, everyone out there? All right. Sure. Uh, sure. There's some dogs barking outside my house. Just <laughs> the third date, me and my wife on, we went to a beach in Florida. And uh, we got second degree sunburn uh, because we weren't either of us were were not wearing, uh, uh, you know, suntan lotion. Hmm. So now this interests me. And I look, I don't want you to take offense to this. This is a coming from a legitimately honest curiosity space. Right. Okay. So you're on your third date. Uh huh. You do not have the body type that I would go on a third date to the beach with. That seems like a bold move on your part. Uh, I mean, I'm just comfortable with my, I'm just comfortable with it, man. I mean, you know, okay. I was also about good for you. 45 pounds lighter than, I mean, I was still a big guy. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I, I, I was, I wasn't, uh, you know, pushing 340. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I, I would compare it kind of like if, if my wife and I, we were on our third date and we went to a, carnival ride where they measured everyone's height like ooh, let's go ahead and wait till she's a little let's wait till she's a little bit more committed before i'm going to go ahead and do this i'm just impressed like that's a that's a power move on your on your call did you go shirt off yeah of course man would you rather be known as the worst at something or the best at something i would say in general it's probably the best it's probably better to be the best at something but if I had a choice between, say, okay, you can be in the top five to – you can be in the top two to five percent of something or you can be the worst at it, I would rather be the worst at it. I would rather be the worst at something than be moderately good at it. In my opinion, I think people like history remembers the the worst more or less than they do the the, the better. Like obviously remember – you know, we talk a lot about like Michael Jordan and basketball references, but like, you know, I think people remember a lot of the, a lot of the worst people. I'm right down the middle, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably right there with you. Plus, it'd be a lot more fun to be the worst at something, right? Like, right. There's no pressure. Well, there's no pressure in, 
you can just be like, yeah, I'm the worst basketball player ever. Like, I've been ranked the worst ever. That's a pretty awesome title to have. Have you ever tried to be intentionally bad at something? I can't think of it. I mean, against my, like, children, like, I don't run full speed. I'm not letting them beat me in a race because I got to show them what's up. But I'm not going all out. Like, I can't say that I've ever tried to be bad at something. Although I think it's a viable work strategy. If you don't want to have new responsibilities, you should go ahead and then prove that you're terrible at that thing. And then it will (laughs) no longer be your responsibility. That's something I've always wanted to do, but never had the actual courage to do. Just to think like if my boss assigned me something new and like, I don't really want to do this. So I'm just going to be purposely terrible at it. I've always wanted to do that, but I've never had the courage to do it. I agree with you. And uh, I've always just wanted not to do something in uh, maybe not at my job or whatever, just maybe in general and just see what happens. You know, like when my wife is like, you know, take out the trash. What if I just told her no? I don't know. I don't like, know. No one's ever thought of it. Like, you no. know, what if my neighbor came over and like he can clearly see I have a, a leaf blower and he's like, hey, can I borrow your leaf blower? And I just go, no. Like, what well, you know, what would really happen? Yeah. Well, nothing. They would probably actually respect you more for it. Apparently, the difference between a lot of successful people and semi-successful people is that really successful people say no a lot more. That's what I've heard, according to this three-second ad I saw before watching a YouTube video on the Logan Paul fight. Oh, God. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah, I figured. I figured. Okay. All right. What's next? I mean, I just uh, fucking guy. All right. Before we get to that, uh, what do you think you could do? Uh, eat an extra large pizza in five minutes or 10 hot dogs with the buns in 10 minutes? Well, neither. I think I've eaten a full pizza before after a long night out, but it was probably a medium pizza. That's probably about as far as I've gone. I know damn the most of hot dogs I've ever eaten. It's three at one time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How many have you eaten at one time? Uh, pr- probably not more than, well, probably within a two or three hour period, I probably knocked down a dozen, 15 maybe. Cause I, you know, okay. I was at a bachelor party and you just kept going back and getting dogs and things. And I'm going to go ahead and say that if you spent two to three hours eating hot dogs at a bachelor party, you wasted your priorities there, right? <laughs> like you had a choice between doing other things and your choice was to go back and eat hot dogs. Listen, it was midday. Every everything was good. It was great. Okay, all right. That's not what I would have done, but that's that's on me. I like to have a good time, not stuff my face with other people's meat. <laughs> but that's 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 what you like to do. <laughs> it's it's processed meat, so it's good. Um, okay. So yeah. So listen, I have two were they things. Here. Were they big? Were they big, thick ones? Big hard ones that you were shoving in there? Big thick sausages that you were going for? Or did you were you taking like twelve little tiny wieners into your mouth? <laughs> I don't even want to answer that question. <laughs> That's probably the best phrasing we've ever had on one of those. Okay, go to your next thing. Yeah, so listen, I, I want your opinion on two things that you would deem as current event, all right? The first okay. is Jeff Bezos just got divorced or whatever. He is going into space now. Uh, with somebody else from Amazon, and then they're going to take somebody who wins this contest that they're having. If, uh, say, you entered that contest and you actually got selected to go on an Amazon rocket into space, would you do it? Would you not trust it? I'm not. 
if it was me, I'm not entirely sure. I well, I wouldn't enter it for one, but say I did, I and I got picked. I think I'd probably back out because I, I I'm not sure I want to die. I would back out if it was like me and two other random strangers that were in this contest. But if you're talking about what the or the if not one of the richest people in the world, he's probably going to make some pretty strong indications that he doesn't want to die. <laughs> right. Like they're going to take some extra precautions when you're sending a hundred billion dollars up into the air. If it's just me and you, they're going to be like, oh, hey, man, this switch isn't working. Don't worry about it. Send their asses up. <laughs> what would you like? Would I, he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy, quite honestly, that I would want to be like in one of those small capsules with like up there. Like, hey, Jeff, uh, does he seem like an he's I don't think he's actually a real person. I don't think that him or Mark Zuckerberg are actually real people. I think they're robots that someone just created in a lab. <laughs> I don't think they're actually real people. Do they look like real people, act like real people? I, I mean, I, I would have a beer with Bill Gates, I think. Right. He seems like he's actually a real person. Those other two are just trying – they're like robots pretending to be humans. Yeah, I mean, I, can we at least throw Elon Musk in there too as the robot person? Oh well, no, he's clearly an alien okay, okay. that's like oh. wearing a human's disguise, right? Because he has all of the kind of personality foibles that any other intelligent being would have, but he clearly doesn't understand human contact. Whereas Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg are just they're robots that, <laughs> like, they've been generated by their own computers. Like, hey, how are we going to cover this up? I don't know if I, uh, the alien thing threw me off because I've never heard him described that way, but it makes total sense. Think of Elon Musk as an alien covered in human skin, <laughs> and that's suddenly everything he does makes much more sense. Yeah, I mean, man. Yeah. I would just love to be a, <laughs> you know, a billionaire just to, I mean, that would just be great. Uh, all right, so anyways, my the my next thing, which you, you kind of knew I was going to ask you about, is uh, – I don't know. I don't know how to feel about the Logan Paul money Mayweather fight that happened last night or 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 this past weekend, I guess. Like, I just don't I guess it's great for them because they made a bunch of money. But Logan Paul made it got famous for just talking about Pokemon cards on YouTube. And now he's fighting one of the greatest boxers of all time and a bullshit. And, and it's just bullshit. I don't know. I don't know how money Mayweather. Uh, could do that. Like, I don't know. I mean, here, okay. This is my theory on how he could do that is because all of the people who are fans of Logan Paul are probably wondering who the hell Floyd Mayweather is, you know, and that's, that's actually the, the kind of the thing I, I've heard from people when I've talked about this is that, you know, in today's, you know, the people who are watching that match last night or that, that boxing match this weekend, I mean, they, they weren't Floyd Mayweather fans. They were Logan Paul's subscribers or whatever i don't know man it just just grinds my gears i don't know why i get why people are annoyed with it and i think that is because is that we as a society because of social media are basically shifting into a hierarchy in which it doesn't matter how good you are at something it matters how famous you are right like people would much rather write watch logan paul box than errol spence errol spence one of the best boxers out there nobody knows who he is Everybody knows who Logan Paul is. And so we've just had this big shift where what's better, to be famous or to be good? You'd much rather be famous because that's a lot better for you. And I think that's what annoys people at their core about it. 
say say it was a an, an NFL game, but it was all YouTubers versus the NFL's best. I mean, are are more people literally going to tune in who are influencer fans than they are NFL fans? I mean, is that what we've come to? I I think more people would tune in for a spectacle, right? Just, First of all, most of the time that people are watching football is to because it's their hometown because they got money on the game. I mean, I mean, yeah, especially as yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, his brother is the real deal, right? His brother's actually trying to fight UFC. They're not fighters. the real. Okay, They're yeah, not you know, the. I'm sorry, I should not have said the real deal. I'm sorry, I should have said maybe he's the more serious one about actually fighting or competing. Not the real deal. I'm the, sorry. The only question that I honestly really have and continue to wonder is if Floyd Mayweather actually tried. No. Like if he went in there and really tried. I think there was only like 64 punches landed between the two of them and eight rounds. That's Floyd Mayweather is a defensive fighter, though. Yeah, well, I live in the, the hometown of one of the greatest ever, son. Who's that? Rocky? Joe Lewis. Nobody knows who that is. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Let's, let's just move on before you get a lot of hate this episode. Okay. Okay. So are you ready for a top five? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you just said that, but yes. Okay. So our top five is this is the guy who loves Detroit all end, even though the city is collapsing and burning as we speak. Um, and he doesn't even live in Detroit anymore because even he moved out. And you have to admit it. You don't live in Detroit anymore, do you? I do not. I'm a, I'm a fringer now. I live in a suburb a few miles outside of the city limits. Yes. Okay. All right. Simple yes would have been okay in that circumstance <laughs> instead of trying to instead of trying to weasel your way around it and explain it. But anyway, our top five is top five buffet foods. Not top five buffets. Top five individual foods at the buffet. What's your number five? Oh, man. I was going to say, I love this. I love it. I'm going to start off. We're going to go. We're going to go pizza. Okay. I mean, for simple reasons. There's so many options to choose from. What kind of pizza? First of all, don't get all excited and just come with some blanket statement like pizza. I need a specific kind of pizza. I'm, I'm getting. I might get one of each. I don't know. I mean, that's the best thing about buffet. Okay. They're going to have multiple kinds of pizza. All right. What would be your ideal kind of pizza, though? Are you going to go in there? Are you going to look for like a pepperoni? Are you going to look for a sausage? Are you going to look for the triangle cut, the square cut, the thin crust, the thick crust, the cheese crust? Like, what are you going with here? I'm going to find whatever I can that's meat lovers. More meat, the better. Okay. Do you have a preference about your pizza cut? Are you a triangle guy? Are you a square guy? Uh, I mean, I'm supposed to say a square guy, but I'm I'm more or less a deep dish guy Whatever shape that's in. How do you feel about dessert pizza? I'm not entirely sure I even know what dessert pizza is. Think about it for a second. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I did think about it as you were talking. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've had it, to be honest. I mean, what's the difference between dessert pizza and a piece of pie? I don't know. I couldn't I tell you. I, the I consider the pie to be more like sandwich based. Nah, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you on that one, but all right. There'd be more of a stacking, whereas in pizza, it might just be like the pizza, basic pizza component, and then they just throw the dessert on top of it, whereas a pie seems to have more of a layered system. So what I would say is the difference. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, my number five is Crab Rangoon. Oh, my God. I love – I would eat nothing but Crab Rangoon. I've had 22 Crab Rangoons once at a buffet. Wow. That's a lot of Crab Rangoons, man. It's delicious. Well, I didn't eat the whole thing. I just basically got the middle. 
right? <laughs> Fuck, I'm I get straight I, to sucking up the good stuff. I can't. I can't eat the rest of it. There's too many carbs. But I'm gonna have all the cream cheese in the middle. Yeah. Why would I waste my time with the other stuff? Get to the good I, stuff. I, man, it's a buffet. I agree. I agree. If you go to a buffet and you get multiple plates, how much of the food on each plate do you generally eat? Are you going to tell me that you eat 100% of the food on that plate before you go back for another plate? Uh, I will say it's my last plate that is probably maybe half eaten or something. And then I always kind of feel bad because I'm like, I shouldn't have got plate seven, but I just you know wanted more. So, Hmm. I probably don't top out at any more than 65%. Okay. All right. Well, that's why you're five foot eight and three quarters and a hundred pounds. Uh, I'm 165 pounds. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what's your number four? Uh, I got to go dessert. So I'll just go with like, like an ice cream, like an ice cream uh, buffet mm. or something. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll address that later. All right. I will address that later. Uh, my number four is an omelet. It's the only time I'm ever going to get an omelet is if I'm at a buffet or one of those ones where they make it in front of you. Like that's how you know you're an up. That's how you know you're at a classier buffet is if they're making the omelet in front of you. So my number three is I have like the breakfast buffet, but specifically the meat section, like the bacon, the sausage. Mm. Yeah. So along those lines. Okay. I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to agree with that. Uh, my number three is potatoes. Different types of potatoes are always going to be like you can get some good mashed potatoes in there. You can get some like potato wedges that are in there. You can get fries, sweet potatoes. Like there's so many different ways that hash browns. There's so many different ways you can get some good potatoes at a buffet. So that's why I feel like potatoes, but specifically mashed potatoes are my number three. Okay. Uh I don't know. That's not my top five, obviously. I don't know if I put it on uh honorable mention but uh my number two i i think is an interesting one and it's uh cold cuts i never know what the fuck that is i honestly don't know what that is is that just deli meat yeah any any kind of any kind of deli meat really that's obviously cold so you know bologna roast beef ham turkey pastrami salami any of that stuff <sighs> it's a ridiculous statement Right. I don't understand that at all. You want to love, buffet, go, love the get meats. that stuff at the grocery store, man. Get it at the grocery store. First it's probably it. cheaper. You're wasting money on a buffet. Actually, if you could nope. go to a buffet, can you get takeout at a buffet? Can you take a plate <laughs> at the buffet? <laughs> I mean, you have you to be able They've to. They've got to have some. No, they wouldn't let you do that. People would just load up and go home. I mean, as long as you're paying, who cares where you eat it? Well, if you were taking it at home, you could go in there with like six cartons, load it all up, and go away. Like, if you could get take if if you could get a to go box at a buffet, they would be they no buffet would ever be in business. I I think you can. I could be wrong, but I think you can. I mean, what are they gonna do? Say no? You might be allowed to box up what you've already put on your plate, but they're gonna there's gonna be there's gonna be some there's gonna be some serious question raised there. Right. Yeah, that's like you can't be a habitual line stepper in that regard. I mean, probably. right. I still think you can, though. I do. We'll have to ask somebody that might know. Uh, my number two is bacon. Just regular bacon, candied bacon, any kind of bacon. Uh, I don't care. Bacon. Give me all of it. Turkey bacon. Turkey bacon. Mm. 
No. Fucking rubber. Actually, I've had like some turkey bacon's okay. I've had some decent turkey bacon. I don't particularly like it when they try to make bacon really thick. Like you're not impressing me with your thick bacon. Give me the greasy thick shit. Thick cut bacon's pretty good though. I- I'm talking about that stuff that though that's like as thick as a pancake. That's chewy. It's always chewy. It's just never very. It's good. like a slab of bacon as opposed to a piece of bacon. <laughs> okay, I bet. I bet we have the same number one. Sushi. Yeah, sushi. Any specific type of sushi though for you? Uh, I I usually like the the more spicier rolls. So you know, like I mean, there's so many um, dragon rolls, um, kapow rolls, anything like that. Anything with that that spicy. And man, I love wasabi. I'll, I'll eat that by the handful. Man, yeah. see, here's the thing: for people who are new to this podcast, I do not have a sense of smell, so my sense of taste then is also severely limited. Pretty much all sushi, it kind of just tastes like sushi to me. All sushi <laughs> is basically sushi. Like I really like it, but the only thing that's changing is the consistency, not necessarily the taste of it. It's too subtle of a taste for me. Unless it's really different, like we're talking like Dragon Roll versus Philadelphia Roll. Otherwise, it's all pretty much the same to me. Okay, I mean, I, I can't make fun of you because I get it, but man, oh, you can't make fun of disabled people. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're gonna you know say something else I said and say I made fun of somebody. Um, I will say that it was very hard for me not to put on like a, a Chinese buffet, you know. Or like Chinese food, but that that's kind of broad. I mean, there's so many things at a Chinese buffet. So yeah, you kind of run. You start to okay. Let's go to honorable mention, and I don't have honorable mention, but I have some general buffet observations that I would like to share. Okay. Okay, you go. You you start. You start. What's your honorable mention? Oh well, I mean, uh, Chinese. So like Chinese food, um, bagels. Like a bagel buffet? Oh, I don't like, think I've ever had those at a buffet. That seems like a waste of buffet time, to be honest with you. You're filling <laughs> up on bread when you could be doing something else. Uh, yeah, but but you get you get a bagel right, and you have they have all the spreads and everything. It, it's it wasn't bad. Um, have you ever gotten a bagel or a piece of toast and put like multiple different kinds of spreads on yeah. the same individual piece? I that's like usually split, how I eat like, my bagel my bagels. You're gonna put like how are you dividing it up? You're gonna put I, I usually like, do cream a, cheese on the left side and like jam on the right. I usually do a layer uh, of cream cheese followed by a layer of jam on top of that on the same. Okay, that's not what I mean bagel. though. Like you're just you're making a combination. What I'm asking is, have you ever gotten like a piece of toast and in the top left part you put orange jam <laughs> and in the bottom left part you're gonna put strawberry and then in the top right you got blueberry. And then you got cherry. Like, have you ever done? Have you ever been that crazy at a buffet? No, man. Ain't no one got time for that shit. It's too much work. That's really the too only much. reason not to do it. It's too much work. Too yeah. Ain't no one. No one got time for that, bro. No, it's you know that. a lot of effort. Honestly. Um. Okay. What else you got? Uh. And then I have Jello, and that was it. You got to be fucking kidding me. I like You're Jello, grown, man. You're gonna. Oh, act like you don't like Jello. No, I don't. I'm not going to okay. waste my time with Jello at a buffet. You're making the wrong kinds of decisions with your honorable <laughs> mentions, right? You're loading up on bagels and Jello. 
Jello is one well, of the cheapest things you can possibly get. That's a waste of time. Pudding, I could make a little bit of an understanding for. So I'll get <laughs> me some pudding in a buffet. But Jello is like, I every time I see Jello, I wonder why do they even have this at this buffet? <laughs> and they don't have multiple kinds of Jello, do they? What buffets are you going to where they got more than one yeah, color? Yeah, I mean, they usually have like two or three colors, and they have all the toppings from chocolate to whipped cream, and it's good, man. It's like an alternative dessert. The problem is it's an alternative to what? Eating dirt in the parking lot? Listen, I don't want to fight with I would, you. If I Jell-O. had a choice between like, if I had a choice between, hey, you can have Jello, you can have dirt in the parking lot. I'm probably going to, I'm going to, ha- I'm going to go with the Jello, but I'm going to think about it for at least a couple of seconds. And like, okay, could I have neither? Like, no, you have to have one. And then, well, then I would have the Jello, but that's the only way that I would ever get Jello at a buffet. That is a waste of time. All right. Well, what 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 are your observations there, sir? Uh, okay. Um, I generally do not like meat, especially like a nicer cut of meat at a buffet. I find that's always a waste of time. Um, pizza, pizza's pretty. Pizza's pretty solid buffet. Pizza's okay. one. Pretty, pizza's up there. Dessert pizza, not so much. Eggs can be very very hit or miss at a buffet. You can run into some really good eggs, and I can still think of a place where I had fantastic eggs at a buffet, and but have never had them again. All Chinese food is good at a buffet. All yep. Italian food is generally bad at a buffet. Which is funny, actually. Right. All Italian hmm. food is bad at a buffet. All Chinese food is good. Like even I think the one time I like that I can remember I had like lasagna, but it was crusty and just You're wasn't right. good. Just was not right. good. I think because the effort to reward ratio is not good enough for Italian food. <laughs> so they just leave it alone and they don't mess with it. So uh, really all that we've all gotten from listening to you is if we want Nick to come to our buffet, we better have some high class shit. Yeah, man. Just give me some sushi and some bacon, and some mashed potatoes, a nice omelet, and some crab rangoon, and I'm good to go. <laughs> if you come at me with spaghetti and, spaghetti and jello, then I'm just going to walk right past. I'm going to decline that invite. Well, I guess we won't be hanging out anytime soon. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. I was tempted to put breakfast on there as a whole. The problem is, it's just, there's no good, there's no consistency. Well, there's consistency in the idea that you can get pretty much average breakfast anywhere. But it's really hard to find good breakfast, like good eggs and good pancakes. Easy to be average, very difficult to be better than average. But let us know what you think are some of the best buffet foods.